0: From 8th Street to 8 Mile Road, from I-5 to Highway 99, Podcast Stockton. The show all about the great life in Stockton, California. This is Podcast Stockton. Welcome to Podcast Stockton, Episode 97 for July 14th, 2014. I'm Susan Spreaker.
1: And I'm Matt Beckwith, welcome back to all of our returning listeners If this is your first time listening to Podcast Stockton Thanks for checking out the show
0: In this week's episode, Matt, you and Greg had a chance to sit down with Reggie
1: Yeah, Reggie, a.k.a. Thug Dork um, Local comedian with um, lots of ties to the uh, local comedy scene And uh, he has a show coming up uh, Friday, July 25th uh, The Comedy Bash 2 at uh, at, at Empire Theater But uh, we'll get to... We'll get to catch up with Reggie and find out about how he got started in comedy and uh, what, what he's been up to lately. We are joined today by Reggie, a.k.a. Thug Dork, a local comedian. Reggie, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. You are a stand-up comedian, and I don't know if I've ever—I don't think we've actually ever interviewed a stand-up comedian. How how did you get involved in in comedy?
2: Well, before I um, get into the history of like my stand-up, I just like to say that um, I only perform once a year, twice a year. So I kind of like—I'm not really a stand-up comedian. I kind of do comedy now. Okay. But um, what happened um, was—I'm in recovery. You know, I've been—I've been clean now seven and a half years, and this time. And what happened was in 1997, I went out to a um, a festival, and they had a they had a comedian there, and I thought to myself, I could probably do that. And so I was invited back by the by the committee. I had submitted my name to do like 10 minutes, and so I got up on stage in uh, San Jose for the first time, and I did 10 minutes worth of comedy, and it kind of just took off from there.
1: You remember your first joke? Do I remember my first joke?
2: No, I I think you know what's really weird is I went to an open mic in, in uh, Sacramento. Sorry if I just, um, um you could cut those out. No, let me, just, hold on, let me get the rhythm. <laughs> just be natural, don't okay. worry about it. So what happened was, uh, that's like my style. I'm like, I'm real nervous. You know, you'll notice that about me. I have like an anxiety disorder. A lot of people don't let, know that. That's why I don't do comedy. So what happened was I'm in uh, Last Limited in, in Sacramento and I'm telling jokes and I'm doing like my, my analytical type theme uh, comedy. Nobody's laughing. So I start making fun of Mexicans and everybody's laughing. So that next two years, I'm doing all Mexican Latino, Latino comedy. I don't even like Latino comedy.
1: So it's kind of, kind of weird the way it came about. So having never, you didn't perform before then. And all of a sudden, then you discovered you, you said, Hey, I can do that. And then you just did it. Right. I just
2: started showing up and I was doing a lot of freestyling. You know, I did a lot of freestyling and I didn't really see that. I never really had a total respect or discipline for the craft. But there was a lot of comedians that I started with, you know, when I when I started doing it as more of a hobby. A lot of those guys, you know, they went national. A lot of those guys been on TV. I had a friend that just did David Letterman like a year ago. Wow. And so, um, what I did was I just didn't, uh, I didn't kind of, I just had to put together ten minutes, then fifteen minutes, and then a half hour, and so I kind of just went from there. And were you writing your jokes out beforehand, or were you? I started that like four years ago. Oh wow! So I started. I took a, a speech class at Delta, so it kind of taught me how to outline. But like I said, I never. I was doing everything backwards. I didn't have any mentors. That's what's hard about being from Stockton. When I, now in Stockton, there's like thirty comedians. But when I first started co- doing comedy and as a hobby and going to open mics and whatnot, there was like one comedian in Stockton. So and I never made a stand-up comedy co- comedian until I was thirty years old. Hmm. So I had like no, I had no role models or anybody to teach me the craft.
3: Having a, having a history uh, promoting comedy here myself, uh, I think one of the, the more remarkable things about you, Reggie, and also my role at the Stockton Empire Theater is uh, you are a tireless promoter because pretty much all your shows have been at the Empire, as far as I know. Right. And pretty much all those shows have been, all if, if not a sellout, almost a sellout yeah so you you know how to tell funny jokes and fill seats and that's um actually not very common in a in a comic usually a comic is good at being funny not good at promoting um how how has that been for you like learning to promote yourself and also entertain your audience well you know what's weird is that one of the things that i about comedians this is the thing about comedians right
2: a lot of comedians are arrogant everybody wants to be a star so nobody wants to do the footwork, you know, everybody wants to own a garden, but they don't want to actually work in the garden. Mm. And so um, what I learned was actually following what Greg did, because I'm i sitting at the Impresso and I'm reading a flyer and it says, you know, laugh tracks and they have they're having comedy in this back room. So I talked to Pete, who used to work with, uh, used to work with Pete. Yeah. What Pete over at the matinee. Right. And I talked to Pete and I said, hey, I want to throw a comedy show here. And Pete's like, you know, choose a date, choose a date. And I said, Well, I'm not even ready, you know, to to choose a date. I'm I'm just, you know, brainstorming. Yeah. And Pete's starting, well, you know, be about it, don't talk about it. You know, he's calling 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 my bluff. <laughs> so I'm, you know, That's I'm Pete, I'm a Hispanic you know. from Stockton. I'm like, Are you calling me outos? You know? Yeah. And so I, I feel pressured and I tell Pete, he grabs the calendar and he walks out there. He's just I'm having coffee. He walks out there with the calendar. He's like, Pick a date. So I picked a date and I had to pay, I think at that time I had to pay uh, a couple hundred dollars for the room. And so I, I wanted to make sure that uh that I I I, pay, I paid the rent, and so that's where my promoting started. And I started getting I didn't have anybody, I didn't have a manager, I didn't have any of those things. So I had you to go out there. Got thrown and promote. into it. Like, yeah, I did talking had, about it, yeah do it. Yeah, so next thing I know, I'm, I'm 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 trying to get people to 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 show up, and it's really weird. Is that I've had so many people follow me throughout my life, my ups and downs, and my trials and whatnot. These people are ready to show up and support me so I've been blessed you know I, I can really say I've been blessed knowing people interacting with people has been the secret to all of this you know people literally it really touches me when people they call me up and, and they, they buy 10 20 tickets they're like we just want to see you do well that's the that's the theme around my shows so i've been I'm
1: real fortunate yeah and so you talked about that when you started there was only there was only one comedian and then and then it has grown and yeah like, why how is that why is that?
2: I, I don't know i I, well, I came back because you know like i i left i left i stopped doing comedy because i was basically on drugs man I, I it's a really weird thing like it's funny now but it's it wasn't funny then but I showed up to it. I was like wired. I was on math. And have you ever tried doing stand up when you're on math? <laughs> I, I have. I've not tried doing. I've not <laughs> tried either. This not those. fun. Yeah, I haven't yeah. done either. Of it's those. not fun. I was like sweating <laughs> profusely, and it wasn't even cold, hot in the building. Well, so, you know. I mean,
1: not to make not to make light of it, because I mean you're in recovery. Uh, but the first thing that went through my mind is, I it's like I can't do karaoke unless I've had a drink. But I, mean, right. I guess like that's 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 nothing nothing near the 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 enormity of it but doing you're doing stand up high versus doing it sober right
3: Me, me and matt are probably too square to uh relate well here here's the here's the funny here's the
2: funniest story i was i was um i said i know a lot of people i've known a lot of people throughout my life i was supposed to open up for for cat williams at bob hope theater and i decided to get high that day right? And so I'm I'm, I'm like, I'm all ch- tracked out. I'm all ch- tracked out on meth and I'm washing my face. I keep washing my face, washing my face, combing my hair, combing my hair. Uh. And pretty soon it's time to go to the show and I decide, yeah, I don't want to go to the show. You know, it's, it was right before Cat Williams did the HBO special. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know, who's Cat Williams? <laughs> and I'm, I'm washing my face, washing my face and my phone's going off the hook. The promoter's calling me like, where are you at? You know, you let me down because it's not the first time I no called no show. There's been a few, there was a, I, I had a series of of getting high that day and not showing up for people. Oh man! And so, that was what it was like, you know. And then the the last time I showed up, I um, one time I showed up, like I said, I was I was I was sweating and I was on I was on stage and uh, and it was just all bad news, you know. I don't know where I was going with that. Kind of got lost <laughs> where I was going
1: with that, but that's okay I'm talking about performing high versus n- not high and yeah. this is the same cat Williams that got into some trouble yeah. up in Sacramento yeah performing. my friend it was his
2: manager at the time a guy from Stockton named Juan Medina he was actually he promote he produced recently produced one of his DVDs and Juan was with him up until he signed with uh code black entertainment or some mm-hmm. some big company he sold he's he signed with but he he had got me on he want to open up for Cat Williams he's the guy from Friday and he's been mm-hmm. in the movie with Ice cube and I'm like all right and uh, I just didn't show up. I was just oh, that's where I was going. What happened was I after that I just disappeared. I just went full blown into my addiction, and when I came back and said, "Hey, let me let me get up and do some jokes," you know, because it's always been sort of a hobby with me. Yeah, I it's never been I've never been a professional where I've I'm, I'm paying my bills and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I came back to to comedy. There was a lot of comedians, a lot of guys I didn't know, like like ten times more than when I left, you know. So it was, it was back in the day, there was only like three of us here.
1: With the change in, you know, the the growth of comedians in Stockton, is there, is there a viable comedy scene here in Stockton? Stockton,
2: Comedy's huge in the 209. Comedy, uh, especially in Modesto, but uh, Stockton comedy, they do, they do comedy at the Impresso every other week, every other Tuesday. They've been Mm -hmm. doing it for about a year or longer. They like just open start.
1: mic type stuff yeah
2: it's open mic but a lot of those guys they they get a lot of jobs a lot of those guys that they, they perform there to come and work out they actually perform at the comedy clubs and you know in sacramento and all over i actually did a show up in Reading. i took one of the guys tom bickle i took him with me up there to Reading. we did a huge show but uh a lot of these guys are working you know they're they're in san francisco the guy who hosts the show he actually uh opened up for russell brand last year mm. up in down in uh mm-hmm. l.a wow so they're 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 pretty active. They're a lot more active than I am.
1: Okay.
2: And there's actually, uh, I think on two Thursdays now at the Mile Pub they're having comedy. Oh, yeah, so, yeah.
3: That's where I started.
2: Yeah, that's where I guess he got the he brought in the idea. I jumped in. No, no, no. I then, didn't bring uh, in the idea
3: I, when I when I started doing it. Um, uh, I had uh, I'd done a small stint working for uh, one of the radio stations, uh, um, conglomerates, and. Uh, I started doing comedy because I wanted to do something, but uh, I didn't think I could pick music that people would pay to go to, but I could tell what was funny. (laughs) Right. And so when I did it, there was, when I started, there were two comedy shows going in town. One was uh, Insane Wayne and um, his partner down at the Waterfront Warehouse, and then Porkchop was doing something at um, Fats. Right. And then Porkchop stopped doing that for, did that, stopped doing that soon after I started, but, I did it for like 18 months twice a month. Right. Um and I got to know a lot of comedians and that was really cool. I really I actually kind of missed doing that. And uh, it it was cool to see what came after that. Um the different different comedians, what they do. I became friends with a couple of comedians right. and um I've always just been kind of paying attention to what's going on. Right. And so it I do know that there's there's a group in Modesto. There's uh there's a there's actually a number of of guys here um, in Stockton That uh, have been or well, I busy. got the idea Was from you though I seen the flyer For Laugh Tracks And I'm like They do comedy
2: Back here in this room Like mm-hmm. that's great On the yeah. Miracle Mile This is close Because everything else Was only at Fats Yeah, yeah. And so and I talked to it Pete It
3: was done at that point Fats wasn't even doing it anymore I Exactly think. And then
2: I, I think that when Once I did a couple shows Of the matinee And then I finally moved up To the theater That was another thing I remember talking to you When I first met you And you're like I'm transitioning to the theater I had actually did a show at the Ambler's Club.
1: Hmm. And
2: <laughs> the Ambler's Club is, um, it's a club, you know, it's kind of different, you know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a men's club. I didn't even know what an Ambler's Club was. And so uh, it, is, it, it didn't work out at the Ambler's Club for, t- for many more shows and the capacity is only a couple hundred. And that's when I came back to the theater and said, you know, let's, let's try it, let's try the theater.
1: So it's exciting. Are the, are the comedians in Stockton the... I, I don't know anything about the, the comedy scene in Well, Stockton. right
2: now, co- comedy... Let me tell you about comedy right now. Nobody gets paid comp- to do comedy. Okay. I paid. Right, he paid. <laughs> but, but but now, when when, when I first now? started, people would always you know give you gas money, they buy you dinner, they give you money. And now there's so many comedians that you can literally find people... People get a hold of me all the time before I have a show. Like, hey, I want to come do some free time. And these are people that live in Vegas... People that live in LA, hmm. they just want some stage time, and people are fighting for stage time. And it's kind of like the scene that, like in LA, if you go to LA and you're a comedian, you're never going to get paid. You could no. be on national TV, you could be on national TV, and you're not getting paid because the they don't you're, pay comedians. The and the only
3: way you'll ever get paid in LA is if you get picked up on a show, right? And you'll have to work for free before that happens, <laughs> right? <laughs>
2: it's right. because
1: there's too many comedians,
3: too many comedians, and there's and right now there's not enough stage time, there's
2: not enough good shows. So uh, Stockton comedy, there's a lot of talented guys, there's a lot of talented guys. You know, like Sam Bam, he's been on he's been on national TV a few times. Insane Wayne, just he won the national. The guy from St- uh, Stockton, who I used to run with, I used to hang out with him. He won the national comedy comp- black comedy competition for for the nation. Wow. He won, and so I mean, he's a very talented guy. There's he was on a, your last show. He was on
3: my last show. Yeah, and he's he a real good friend of mine. He was he killed it. You know yeah. I, I, I I never he, heard the I never heard the uh, theater shake with thunder from people stomping from laughing right, so hard. It was right. actually pretty amazing.
1: The comedians in town are are they really the is it a lot of the same style of comedy or they're different style, different elements of of comedy? Uh, I think they got they a lot of the
2: guys, you know, they 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 work hard. There's a guy named Saul Trujillo you got to keep an eye on that guy. That guy's really good. He's uh he sticks to the craft. You know, a lot of comedians comedy's weird. It's like Professionally, comedy is like you tell the same jokes over and over to a whole bunch of people. So you try to go to different cities and different places and you get really good at your one set. Mm-hmm. That's where I have a conflict because because I have the same people coming to see me over and over, I have to constantly think of new stuff to say got to keep it fresh. I got to keep it fresh. And I'm, I'm basically after nine shows, there's not. I'm kind of like tapped out on freshness.
3: Hmm. so you are transitioning from headlining your own show to um, hosting hosting your yeah. show what is what is uh what is the direction you're taking thug dork um you know to be this is the weird the weird
2: thinking behind thug dork right so i have a lot of tattoos i'm a big mexican guy right and so uh yeah i'm not I african-american i know I didn't and I'm, I'm mexican the... <laughs> just watch it buddy just kidding so uh Every time I would show up at a comedy show and and uh people would say, you know, you don't look like a comedian. That's all I hear is you don't look like a comedian. So I started I started looking in the mirror one day. I said, You know, I kinda look like a thug, but I'm kinda dorky, you know? And so I kinda <laughs> put the two together, Thug Dork. And what really what I what I what I would like to see Thug Dork turn into is to me, Thug Dork is like an archetype, right? It's really deep. It's deeper than just my name. It's like if a kid could think he's a thug dork, right, thug dorks don't kill, you know, they don't do things like that. They don't, they don't use drugs. They don't, they don't do those things. It's Mm -hmm. sort of a way to say, okay, I'm from Stockton. I have a hard exterior, but you know what? I'm kind of goofy inside. I don't want to, I don't want to harm anybody. So I would hope, I would hope that thug dork would, you know, be something that people could like emulate, you know, around the area, around the community or even further, even Mm -hmm. reach further, you know,
1: yeah, so. and how long have you gone by Thug Dork? Like two years.
2: It's kind okay. of took off. There's a lot of people. People yell all the time, Thug Dork. You know, people yell at me all the time. I've sold like, uh, uh haven't made any money off them, but I sell them at, at cost. I sold shirts that say Thug Dork on them. Oh yeah, I, I probably sold I, like I, 500, probably. I think
3: I, I sent you a text message that one time. I saw your shirt on the front cover of the. Record of someone who yeah. was wearing it doing yeah, it was just a random. i didn't get arrested. I'm glad they didn't get arrested. That would have sucked. No, it was, a, it was a good news story, yeah. I think. But there was like someone with a thugdork shirt in yeah. a color photo on the front of the right. record paper. Oh, Wow. Yeah, <laughs> so I've been lucky. It was just just one of his fans.
2: Yeah, people see the people see the shirts and they, you know, it's uh, I know it's cool. You know, I, I kind of like, I made wristbands, I made stickers, I kind of give away a lot of stuff, and uh, I basically, you know, getting back to Greg's uh, question about from a headliner you know i i felt what it i i felt like i tell you a lot of people i don't talk about this a lot but i have an anxiety disorder like i actually take medication for an anxiety disorder Mm. i have heart palpitations and they suck you know my heart skips beats and these things happen before i i perform so it's really uncomfortable for me but i like making my friends laugh yeah so when i when you headline you have to go a whole hour and so it's really terrifying for me yeah and so what happened was um I decided like a year ago that I'm really not comfortable. You know, it's not really, it's not really the thing that I love, but I like making my friends laugh and I like being there for my friends. So what I started to transition more into is like a host, you know, kind of like introducing new acts. Yeah, You get five, 10 minutes,
1: right?
2: Doing, I'll do like 15, you know, sometimes, but you know, just more of my, my freestyle, sort of my own, my own personality coming out. But, um, I've got to, li- I, I feel like I've, I've been able to live my dream, you know, as far as like, you know, I, I got to headline a couple shows and I felt what that, you know, I got that feeling, felt what that was like. And so, so I'm
1: pretty satisfied, you know, And you mentioned in Sacramento that you were delivering some, you were delivering your jokes and they just weren't laughing. They
2: weren't laughing. I had that intellectual comedy, you know, that the observational comedy. And I guess it's maybe the way I look, but all of a sudden I switched gears and I went, you know, I'm Mexican and I come from a small family of 48.
3: <laughs> you know, and
2: everybody started laughing. I go, "This is easy," you know. "This is easy," you know. I go, "Yeah, my dad has a truck," you know, and he has everything: TVs, twenty-seven-inch rims, you know, uh, uh, candy paint, everything but insurance. You know, <laughs> and it just, I just kept going and from then there. And I became a Latino comedian. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, and and what was the what was the intellectual observational comedy like?
2: Uh, oh, intellectual observational comedy is like, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if people get this. Uh I'll give you a, a perfect example. Like I say, you know, I joined a gang, you know, I joined a gang and then they stabbed me, so I quit. You know, I didn't know you can't quit. You know, I didn't know. It sort of just, you know, it sort of just popped, you know. Yeah. I didn't know if I could quit, you know. And then I didn't really like the colors, you know, and I was filling out the application, you know, like can I wear purple? Do I really have to wear red, you know? What are the benefits? What are the benefits of being in this gang, you know? Because the other gang across town, yeah, you know, they have a scholarship program, <laughs>
3: What are your incentive packages?
2: Yeah, what are your
1: incentive? (laughs) What's in it for me? Yes, yes, yes. I I, I think it's it's terrifying to think of delivering jokes to an audience that that doesn't respond. But I I I hear comedians and the the uh, I listen to some of my favorite podcasts or podcasts from comedians and they talk about that delivering to an audience and just doesn't get it. I mean, and is it, you want to hear what happened to me? Yeah. I'd love to, yeah, I, bombed I bombed out. Bombed, yeah.
2: I bombed out in front of a thousand people at the civic auditorium. Ooh, oh. ooh. I was the last, I didn't know a lot about stuff. And, and I just, I had just came off. I was back in recovery. I think I had like 60 days clean. Cause it took me a long time to get clean again. I would have a couple, I had a couple uh, months clean and then I, and then I, I fall off the wagon and I kept doing it. Can't get me back up. But during one of those periods, I got on stage in front of a thousand people I was the last comedian up and I wasn't really qualified to be the last comedian up and the crowd was already tired and the sound wasn't the the best and uh I bombed I I started out my set and you know from the beginning to the end like they weren't they weren't receptive and uh and I just I just put I host I hosted the mic and I and I walked away in defeat you know it sucked can I say sucked yeah yeah. Uh, and it's
3: I I I'm not a comedian but I've seen a lot of comedians and it is so painful to I watch front of a it. thousand people too and it was like but it's so painful to watch it It's yeah. <laughs> like oh that that poor guy yeah i got so <laughs> many
2: texts that night from people who are like hey you know you did your best and you don't hold your head up you know and it's like i don't want to hear that you know <laughs> just ignore <laughs> it i right? felt sorry for myself i was just I, I actually got high that night and i just disappeared you know uh, it's really weird i, I that was the like, probably the lowest point in my life i remember i got high i, I didn't come home for two days and I, I slept in this. And the, there's this. There's this place by the train tracks. Oh, actually, I decided I was going to be a bum, and I went after to the, that. Yeah, right after that, I, bombing I, and comedy. Yeah, okay. and I decided I want to be a bum, and I went to go. I went to go to the train tracks to to hang out with the homeless people. But guess what? During the day, all the homeless people are out canning. So there was no homeless people. They, they I was going to
3: say they didn't think you were funny either. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they, I was like, I was literally <laughs> knocking. Twice. I was knocking on forts. I was like, you know, <laughs> anybody is there anybody there? here? You know, cause you can't just be homeless. You have to, you know, there's a craft and I didn't know they were all out canning, you know, like recycling and doing yeah. stuff that homeless people do. Yeah. And so I ended up sleeping on this, in this, um, in this little, uh, in this little shed, like by the train tracks. And that was like my lowest point in my life. I sat back and I go, you know, I'm not funny. Uh, i'm probably not going to be a superstar you know I'm, I'm on drugs now i'm high you know what's what's the point you know and i, I hit that low point i'm glad i hit that low point so like i said, i've been there you know sucked you mentioned that
1: you were clean once before yeah that and was then you started using again right. and now you're you're in seven recovery and a half years again. now okay. yeah
2: i had seven and a half years and i was. uh I still had an obsession to get high though. I was still thinking about getting high all the time. I would just sit back and go, I wonder what people are doing right now. I Wonder if they're getting high and having fun, you know? I just forgot the pain. And I have a chemical imbalance. So I when I do drugs, nobody wants to get high with me. You know it sucks? Mm-hmm. When you got a lot of drugs and you're like, "Hey, yeah. you want to get high with me?" People are like, "Oh, no. I'm good." Yeah. You know. So what happened was I I'm 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 hanging out at comedy, sh- you know, I'm hanging out at bars and uh I just Got to run the wrong crowd, and I'm not gonna blame them. It was me, it was just me not being guarded, mm-hmm. and not letting people know that I'm in recovery. That's mm-hmm. the thing. That's why I'm letting you guys know, and I'm letting anybody on this podcast or whoever's listening that I'm in recovery because people would offer me a beer, and I'm be like, no, no, I don't drink alcohol. You know, yeah. I work out. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, is that I'm I'm an alcoholic and an addict. You know, I can't use drugs, and plus I have a, a, a I have a chemical imbalance. So when I do anything. I just, I'm more weird than the, than the average person. So I fell off and it was, I fell pretty hard. I fell really hard.
1: You've been, you've been uh, clean and sober this time for seven and a half years. Seven and a half years, just celebrated. And and you've done some, and that's great. That's, that's, and that's, that's, that's a long time. And and then there are people that, um, that struggle with that every day and and that you have, you have been, you've had success in your recovery. Yeah. And you've done comedy since you've been, re- since you've been in recovery. Yeah. Does it, has it changed your comedy? Has it changed your, yeah your yeah, delivery, yeah. your content? How, how well, so? you know, I like to
2: talk, it's really weird. Like I wish I could talk about my, my using cause it was sort of comedic. Like I, I didn't tell anybody this story. If you guys want to, you guys want to hear a story, you got time for a story. Yeah. No, sure. Okay. <laughs> this is what happened. One time I'm, one time I'm super wired out. Right. When I get wired, I, I, I'm out of my mind. I'm out of there. I could just do a little bit of math and my mind's gone. So I went to San Francisco to get on the airplane. I was going to go to Denver to see my nephew. I bought a ticket. I got on the, I just drove from Stockton to San Francisco. It's a true story. Can not make this up? So I get on the airplane. I start getting freaked out. I start thinking the Illuminati's on the plane, right? I'm like, they're going to kill me on this plane. I need to get off this plane. So I go out to ask to get off the plane, right? and they're like what do you mean you want to get off the plane i go yeah i need to get off this plane and they're like well where's your luggage i go i don't have any luggage well i guess that's like a red flag yeah <laughs> and so the next thing i know the air marshals arrest me right oh. they shut down the whole second floor or whatever the level of that of that airport yeah and they take me downstairs and they're they're running these scanners to see if i'm they think i have a i left a bomb on the plane oh man Right, and I'm I'm crying now. I'm crying like real tough guy from Stockton. Right, I'm yeah. like I'm crying like
3: I just want to go home. Oh my and, man, uh, the Illuminati, <laughs> <Yeah>. the
2: Illuminati's <laughs> after me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I I end up they end up releasing me. They're like this guy has no warrants because I, I I didn't in, in the end my you know when I really asked I didn't commit any crimes. I was just high, you know. I was just mm-hmm. out of my my mind. And so, they kicked me out of the airport. They walk me to the end of the airport, like just you know go back to Stockton, and get out of here. Hmm. and after all that shut down the airport had they had to unload the whole plane all the passengers off i just walk out the airport like duty 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 oh my god lucky yeah it's weird
1: that's that's frightening
2: yeah it is now that i think about it you know the air hmm. marshal i can just remember the air marshal walking up to me and then the guy who was interviewing me had a military actually have military at the airport Mm because there was like military guy and the air marshal and they kept back questioning me questioning me over and over and stuff and uh I'm not. I'm not a, a terrorist. You know. I'm just a tweaker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you tell those kinds of stories when you were, when you were still using drugs.
2: Yeah. No. Well. No. I tell the stories like when I when I when I do comedy. I try to I try to make light. You know about you know. I I just it's sort of graphic, but I kind of I kind of talk about my using. You know, and I make fun of it now. But you know, it's uh, it's it's just stuff. It's not appropriate for this show, but you know, I make mm-hmm. I make a lot of jokes about you know when I was using it, when I was drinking and all the you know. All the yeah, ugly, all I, the ugly I would, women I picked up on.
3: I would definitely call your shows R-rated. Yeah, uh, R-rated, definitely yeah. for adults.
2: Correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. They ask me to do kids' shows and stuff, and sometimes I, I go and I do stuff at the school and whatnot. I have a different set for that. But when it comes to my using, you know, I think the whole using thing is sort of R-rated anyway. You yeah. Know? So.
1: Yeah, especially if you're going to describe it.
2: Right in depth. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and even though it's your your personal struggle. I think in in a different audience. I think some people might uh, certainly wouldn't want children. Yeah, listening to those. Yeah, don't listen to that, Bobby.
2: (laughs) That's the (laughs) devil. You grew up here in Stockton. Yep, born and raised. I was born at the county hospital. I was born in the county hospital in a manger. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Where'd you go to school at? Uh, I went to. You know what's really weird? My school growing up. um, I went to school down the street from my house, but then when the affirmative action kicked in. They bust me to Oakeyville to August school. Wow. And I was one of the first Mexicans in Oakeyville at a school, <laughs> elementary school. So it's kind of weird. They bus you to the east side? Yeah. I never been to Oakeyville. We never, none of us had. We just got on a bus. The next thing I know, we're in, you know, Mississippi. I mean, Oakieville. <laughs> yeah. In 1978. Wow. 1978, I went, to, I went to August school. And then I, from there, I went to Hamilton. And then I I uh, went to Franklin. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I love Stockton. Stockton's a great city, you know. A lot of people have a lot of bad things to say about stockton but um i've been able to say the good in stockton one thing i can say is that all the comedy shows i've ever done there's never been any violence mm-hmm. you know a lot of people have a lot of respect you know for the for what i'm trying to do and like i said i i, I basically um i stopped doing it doing the comedy but i still do i kind of do an annual thing i kind of just do it for my friends and it's kind of a reunion you know and i think it's a kind of a celebration you know it's a celebration that uh they might call us the most miserable city in the world but I, I i really think that uh as long as we're laughing we're not miserable you
3: know?
2: reggie you have a you have a show coming up yeah july 25th who's an, who's who's on the show tell me about it i have a px floral she's a, a asian comedian i shouldn't say asian she's filipino
1: is that asian i think so okay yeah. well she's Filipino South Asian. East Asian. Yeah. South East Asian.
2: <laughs> She's from San Francisco and uh I look forward to working with her. I work with some of her companions, never worked with her. So I have Rick Polito who actually took me to do some shows up in uh Denver. Wait, 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 not Denver, uh Idaho, Washington, and uh way back in the day he took me on a road trip. So Rick Polito, he's he he performs nationally. And then I have Fat Joe. You know Fat Joe. Yeah. I have Fat Joe coming down.
3: i I worked with both Rick and, and Fat Joe. Exactly. Yeah,
2: so you know the guys. Yeah, so I, those guys are coming down there. They do a lot of good comedy, a lot of clean comedy. It's not just all R-rated comedy. So I think I'll, I'll probably be the worst person that you that you hear on there, you know, my first 15 minutes.
1: you believe you can have a comedian or that a comedian can be successful with uh, while still staying family-friendly?
2: Yeah, that's what I'm moving towards. I'm trying to do that right now. I'm in the process. Well, I don't really... I don't really like doing comedy, to be honest. But when people ask me to do comedy, <laughs> when people are going to ask me, like a school asked me to do comedy, I, I I have a clean set. I have a clean set that I do. So I just want to be able to build on that clean set. Because not really, I, I'm not really looking to get paid or to be a professional comedian. But if if a church asks me or, or if a school asks me, I want to be able to contribute to the greater good of the community. You know, that's one of the things that that I kind of the transition that I'm going in my own life, you know, but a lot of people ask me to do a lot of things. So I was going to start saying yes to a couple of those things.
1: And is your clean set comedy, but also a message about a message about addiction and recovery? Um, or is it just a clean set? I, I'm I'm working on that. I think, you know, I'm working on, I'm, I'm, I'm working
2: on, you know, at the end of my shows, when I used to headline, I used to talk about, uh, I used to end my set with, uh, this is this is kind of an emotional story, sort of. Okay, so so I'm in San Francisco, right? And I'm I'm on the curve, and I I've been up like I I don't know how many days I've been up at that point, point. and I'm totally out of my mind. I'm just like totally out of my mind. And I hadn't used drugs in two days, but I'm I'm having all this like I have a I have a, a chemical imbalance. So I'm up and I'm and I and I and I can't and I can't fall asleep. I don't have nowhere to go, and I'm in San Francisco. I'm at a homeless shelter. I'm eating a dry piece of bread. to hand out bread to homeless people. And I, I tell this story at the end of my comedy. So what happened was uh, I I did, we call it like the third step prayer, right? I said, God, I have no clue how I'm gonna get clean. I don't even know how I'm gonna get out of San Francisco. You know, I, I, just, I, I just sat there and had this like conversation with God. And so uh, I said, God, I know I messed up so many times. I know I let you down, you know, and I know I made a bunch of promises to you. But I'm asking you one more time, please just receive me in your grace. You know, because I was taught about the grace of God. You know, and so um, what I like to tell people is that there's a time in my show when uh, me and Greg actually work on it, where they where they turn out the lights and people pull out their their their, their they pull out their phones and they wave their lights in the air, and the uh, and the, and then we 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 open up with a thuggish, Ruggish bone song. You know, we're not against rap, but we are against those thugs. And they introduce me, and the, I get the crowd all hyped. And when I'm making my way to the stage and I feel all that energy in the room, right? And all those people rooting for me, it's like that's the whole miracle of my life, you know? Like at that at that point, I remember that prayer and I realized that I'm actually living in the grace of God. So that's how do I say that in comedy? I'm I'm still working on that part, but that's my that's my message, you know?
1: One of the things Reggie that always fascinates me about comedians is how they deal with hecklers. <laughs> so have you ever had a situation where you have hecklers?
2: Yeah, I had a lot of hecklers. Uh, you know, Oakland, California is really hard to do comedy because uh, if you're if you're doing bad, they let you know. <laughs> they uh, let you know uh, right <laughs> away if you're doing bad. But uh, one of the things is normally for me what a heckler is, it's a guy who really wants to do comedy. Really? Yeah, it's a okay. guy who wants to do comedy. But he doesn't have the ambition, the drive,
1: none of the guts to actually get the, the guts to do it. it.
2: So what he wants to do is he wants to throw you off your game. So what I like to do, this is my favorite one. So whenever there's a heckler and they're like they're heckling me, then I stop the show and I go I turn the focus on him and I go, "Oh look, look at me. I bought a ticket for the show, but I'm too scared to get on stage myself, so I'm just going to disrupt this place." Oh, we but i'm a big guy that don't work for every comedian right, right. but that right. always gets them that gets them embarrassed they turn red and they either want to fight me or they just you know that's what happens you know yeah yeah uh, and i got a lot of i got a lot of sets that i do um there's a lot of things that i say to hecklers that i've said to every other heckler hmm. you know I turn the focus on them how's it going man you all right you need a hug you know what's going on there buddy you all right you had too much to drink Yeah, is that your girlfriend? You know, just (laughs) things like that. You just take the focus, and they get they don't they they like I said, their biggest fear a heckler is actually being on stage. So by putting the focus on them, you put them on focus, right? Yeah, and and then you put the focus on them, and then sometimes it'll backfire. Though they'll jump up on stage if they're drunk enough, and then you just kind of let them run their let them bomb out now because they're not you know they don't really know about comedy.
1: So Greg, you ever been in a club and and experienced heckler from the from the audience? Uh, I have, but uh, I think one of my, my favorite guys is
3: in San Francisco, Joe Kosek. Yeah. He is a very good uh, comic. And he actually teaches the art of rifting, which in the comedy world is you're not telling prepared jokes, but interacting with the audience and somehow making that very funny. And there's this. Crowd work. Yeah. There's this great YouTube video. It's pretty old now of him at, uh, I think it's at. Uh, Punchline in the Bay Area. I'm not sure. It could be somewhere else. But this drunk guy starts challenging him, and he actually brings him up stage and just just destroys this poor audience member who earned every bit of it. <laughs> it's, it's a fabulous video. If you've never seen it, Reggie, you definitely mm, got to look at yeah. it. Joe Klosek is is one of my uh, personal local favorites. That's great. Um, I, I heard of him. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, And just to drop some other names, uh, uh, Brent Weinbach. Which I think, I were, I were, I think he's I in LA show, now I did a
2: show with him A long time ago I brought him out to uh, Manteca He's hilarious I Yeah love he's him. great but he's like really weird Yeah he's yeah, really he's weird.
3: weird He has a weird style He's uh, Andy Kaufmanish. Oh <laughs> Yeah <laughs> And then I'm just gonna say This name because Uh I, I helped build this brand, and hopefully I'll I'll shame him back into comedy. Uh, Josh Vigil, Stockton's Josh Vigil. Yeah, you told me a lot about him. I met him indirectly. I right. tried to get him out. And I so just... now now I'm going to tell him that his name is on the show, and that he's got to start getting out there and doing more stuff, or yeah. he's really got to disappear. Heck, I'll give him five minutes if he shows up on the 25th. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make him come. Yeah. If, if I can. Yeah. <laughs> I,
2: I, just because he knows Greg. Yeah, there you that's go. That, Greg the pool.
1: Yeah, that's, that's your ticket to ride. It's not what you know, it's who you know. That's right. And and what they Greg think Paul. about you. <laughs> I know I know quite a few people that are funny right. and that, that want to do they want to do comedy. Right. What what advice?
2: Show up an open mic. You know, like I said, the state of comedy is kind of sad right now. It's like everyone, no one's getting paid. Unless you really love to make people laugh, I think you just you have to you get up, you experience it. And then what you do with that experience, like for me, I've I've done a big show and I experienced it. Now, do I want to be on the road 52 weeks a year? No. Do I want to tell the same jokes ever, over and over in every city? Probably not. It's just not it's just not, you know, meant for me. But uh I I did have the, I can say at the end of the day when I lay my head down that I've had the experience. And, you know, what you like I said, you know, you get the experience if you have the drive, you have the you have the desire. You get the experience, and then you just it's up to you to decide what you're going to do with that experience. So I would recommend if you have that You want at the end of the day, you want to be able to say, you know what, I I got up and I did it and I experienced that. So that's what I would do. If people didn't really want to do comedy, you know, it's I've given people uh, shots. I had a guy who said his my my dad's dying wish was to be for me to be in a show, and I gave I gave him five minutes. You know, I help him fulfill that 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 bucket list thing. So he you know at the end of the day, he
3: gets to say, you know, I did that. That's what I would recommend. I shared my favorite local comics who who are your favorites in this area i mean without you know, in this area let's let me talk about the history of comedy first people
2: always have they always ask comedians you know who inspired you and whatnot and so uh i can say my first inspiration was my family you know my family would get together and they'd be drunk and they'd talk mess about each other and i would sit there and i just i loved it because my uncles were the best i mean my uncles would would literally like tear each other up and if something happened (laughs) they'd, they'd recreate a story about how it happened and uh but when it came to the, the artistic side of comedy, Charlie Chaplin has to be the best ever because wow. of of his philosophy, of his depth. You know, I read an article that Charlie Chaplin said that in the beginning he started doing comedy during the Great Depression to get his family's mind off of food and their situation. I just thought that was great, you know. Wow. And so um I like Richard Pryor. I like oh. I remember I seen Richard Pryor live on Sunset Strip when I was a kid and I I just, I love the, you know, the way he commanded wow. the stage and whatnot. But George Lopez did a lot for, for me personally because I'm, you know, I was Mexican. A lot of people didn't really see Mexicans on stage doing big, you know, comedy. So George Lopez. But in the area, uh, I like in St. Wayne. I like Saul Trujillo. I think Saul Trujillo is, uh, he's one of the up-and-coming hitters. I mean, the guy's just, he has the it factor. You know, there's a lot of comedians. You can write to be funny, but there's just some, it's almost like being an athlete. There's some kids that were, really good in the fifth grade and they became great in the high school. Then there's some guys who practice really hard to be good, but they didn't really have the it factor. Mm-hmm. You know, Insane Wayne he has the it, it factor. There's a lot of different guys that, you know, are really good. Sam Bam he's a hard worker, you know. But as far as like the my favorite, I, I, I gotta say, you know, probably my my buddy Insane Wayne. He's uh he took tragedy. You know, he he was he was shot. He was shot mm-hmm. seven times, I believe it was. Wow. You know, and I used to run around with the guy, and the guy used to like to dance, and you know, was real, he's real mobile. And then he he was confined to a wheelchair, and he took that experience, and he just he used it uh, in a positive way. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by his, not only by his comedy, but by his life. So, well, I hope Wayne heard that because I need a favor.
1: No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, well, Reggie, uh, aka Thug Dork, thanks so much for uh, for coming. On to the show today, and tell us again uh, the details about the upcoming show.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, the show I'm doing, I'm probably doing just one this year. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's Friday, July 25th at the Stockton Empire Theater. Show starts at 8.30. Tickets are $12 floor, $10 balcony. I have like six comedians on stage. It's a great show. It's a lot of fun. If you're not doing anything, you want to see some awesome comedy. For a great price
1: And where can people get tickets?
2: You can get tickets at the Empire Theater Behind the counter You can can call uh, 209-986-8960 for tickets Or you can go by Bridge Bay Insurance Which is at 4600 North Pershing Uh, That's Bridge Bay Insurance Between uh, Monday through Friday 8 to 4 You can pick up tickets there
1: And this is an adult show
2: yeah, mostly adult. I mean, it's uh, I'm not going to say it's like rated X. We try not to be rated X, but it's 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 trying to this, this show might be almost, you know, right between the line, border between PG-13 and rated R, mm-hmm. but but right there, it's a it's not going to be real graphic, but it's mm-hmm. going to be a great show.
1: All right. Great Well, Reggie. Thanks again for coming on the show and uh, sharing a little bit about your story.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: For listening to Podcast Stockton, we'd love to hear your feedback. Call or text our listener line at 565 Email us at Podcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Username Podcast Stockton.
1: And again, a big thanks to Thug Dork for coming on to today's show. Again, his uh, comedy show coming up, Comedy Bash 2, is Friday, July 25th at the Empire Theater. You can get your tickets from Bridge Bay Insurance at 4600 North Pershing. Or you can get information on the tickets by calling 209-986-8960. And um, tickets are $10 for the balcony and $12 um, floor seats. And the show starts at 830. So hope to see um, all of the local comedy fans out at Comedy Bash 2 on July 25th.
0: From the podcast Stockton crew, Rod, Matt, Manny, Greg, and myself, until next time, make it great, Stockton.